welcome to Jeff Pasito Reads. I'm Jeff Pasito, and this is today's story. Static, Chapter 2 Darber Gale. That's what my parents named me when I was born. Well, at least the Darber part. The Gale was just there. Apparently it has something to do with being happy. Either way, my name was Darber Gale, and somehow it had stuck. Everyone else seemed to manage to pick up a nickname along the way except me. That always made me feel like I was on the periphery. Not completely outside the crowd, but definitely not part of it either. I always felt disconnected, like watching scenes unfold behind the red velvet rope and protective glass of a museum exhibit. I was always there, but not integral to the goings-on. And if I wasn't there... Was I missed? My close-knit group of friends were never really that close. Jared was scared of people, like genuinely afraid of other members of the human race. Might have been something traumatic in his past, who knows. He hardly got along with anyone, and I'm pretty sure he only tolerated me and Big Country so that he had a fresh meat bag to share airspace with. Well, that and split costs on things. Of course, we had our acquaintances, that's for sure. As much as you'd like to live in a vacuum with no need for other cognitive social associations on your journey through life, you're bound to pick up some detritus in your wake. Johnny and the Pretender were two great examples of that. People ferried along in our travels, but not part of our crew. When push came to shove, however, it was me, Jared, and Big Country, and that was it. Strangers by birth, but brothers in all sense of the word but genes. It was late Thursday night about two years ago when Big Country stopped by my place. He buzzed my room number from the worn metal plate that hung outside the barred main entrance door. At the piercing rattle of the digital bell, I shuffled to the plain yellow slab of my door and switched on the vid screen. A small, bleakly bluish-green scanline image of matted hair rolled out of the frame as Big Country tilted his face up into the top-down view of the camera perched plainly above the main entrance. Even over the 600 or so feet of cable that stretched between that camera and my vid screen, he was able to maintain an imposing, brutish air. His form could dominate a space in person, yet somehow that translated to digital as well. Maybe that was just because I knew him and felt that myself. I pressed the drab green accept button without a word between either of us, the index finger of my left hand bending backwards as I leaned my weight into it, supporting myself as my right thumb and forefinger flipped the deadbolt open. In a time when kids are virtually born with biogenic implants, nothing was quite as secure as a cylinder of steel barring entrance. I lumbered back to the ochre two-seater couch that filled one side of my apartment's family room and flopped down in it. I scanned the room like a security camera head panning back and forth. The floor was covered in wooden boards, about two and a half inches thick by four feet long. Probably beautiful at installation, but a right bitch to keep clean and nick-free. It always looked dirty, always looked stained. No matter how many times I moved the faded area rug, no matter how minutely I tilted it, it never seemed to line up square to the running seams in the wooden floor. I was convinced that the wooden boards must taper ever so slightly as they ran from one side of the room to the other. The plasma screen topped a small black end table and sat kitty-corner to me, filling an entire one-third of the room. It had a large beveled bezel. Once polished to a high gloss, the bright gray plastic had faded to a dull yellow-brown shade. 
The overall image resembled a TV set from the 50s, all false space-age fashion with no added function. It was a style that had resurged briefly, but died off even faster. Thank God it did. It was god-awful ugly. I got mine from some company in France that had gone belly up when the fad died and was liquidating its assets. It took some work converting it to Noram standard, but it seemed to work fine now. Most of the time. Kinda. I heard the ancient creak of the floorboards shifting under the weight of Big Country as he stepped into my apartment. The rest of the floors in the unit were all ceramic paste, more durable than concrete but easier to clean. Only this one carried the nostalgia of the past, a nostalgia that was barely mine. It really bothered me, the more I thought about it, how this one room was stuck in the past with its antiquated inconsistencies. That damn wood was nearly archaic. He stood there, steps inside the doorway, framed by that off-white trim work, all six foot six inches of his burly yet proportioned body. He wasn't facing me. His body was turned slightly towards the plastic glass windows at the short end of the narrow room. New blinds. It was a statement, not a question. He was always quick to assess a situation, finding new information like a precognitive sleuth. I tilted my head towards the window, moving it in a slight arc, as though it were on a pivot point, not a swivel, and stared at the sharp contrast between the new ivory blinds and the satiny yellow of the semi-gloss walls. My parents had shipped those blinds up to me for my birthday this past year. I wouldn't have chosen them, but what do you get for a child you never speak to? And I did have to admit it was better than the ratty, bleach-stained burgundy towel that hung there for the first three years from mismatched rusty nails. He stood there for a long time, not moving or speaking. I could hardly tell he was breathing. If it wasn't for the slight creak of the floor under his rebalancing feet as he stood near motionless, I could have sworn he was a paused vid. Damn that wood. It really was annoying. What's wrong? I tried breaking his static state. He didn't flinch. Not even an eye twitch or nostril flare. Maybe he didn't hear me. Maybe I didn't really say it. This was unusual. Big Country was never this quiet. He was as broody as anyone could be and ominous to a fault, but I'd never seen him this focused, this zoned. His lethargy became infectious and I found my own body immobilizing. My senses began to slowly oscillate away from reality. My vision began to tunnel as my hearing echoed away into a silent cacophony of nothing and my body floated microns above the sofa. I gradually thought I couldn't see, feel, or hear any more until Big Country's voice broke into my trance. It didn't pierce my cocoon from above me to the left, near where my doorway laid, but from the semi-ornate wing-back chair that sat opposite me across the squat table and twisted rug. I must have really been out of it to miss him creaking across that goddamn wood floor. Goddamn stupid, unsymmetrical, loud-ass wood floor. I have to go. He repeated himself, like he knew I couldn't hear him the first time, and he needed to announce it to my now-conscious brain. We have to go. He always spoke like that, quick and sharp. He never provided more information than he felt was necessary. Most often, so little information that it was hard to understand what he was saying. Go? I asked, inquisitive but somewhat detached from the question. After all, we'd gone places before. We'd gone to clubs, gone to bars to nowhere in particular. I had a feeling that when we went this time, we'd be going somewhere else. This going would be different. 
big countries stood up. The overexertion of upward thrust unfolding his long limbs like the overextended bend of a butterfly knife handle. His hands wrapped nearly completely around the rough, dark blue jeans of his knees as he pushed himself up. The entire event only served to emphasize the squatness of my pallid furniture ensemble. His hulking yet lanky form swaggered over to the new ivory blinds, announcing each step with a creak that drilled itself like a cold ice pick into the base of my neck. He flicked two slats apart with those large hands of his, and his eyes pointed out towards the neighboring skyscrapers. But they were not looking there. His concentration wasn't focused on his surroundings, on the tangible world we could both perceive all around us. It made me uncomfortable. I'd never seen Big Country engaged in such intense internal thought. Sure, he was a brooder, but never at the expense of his friends, and I'd never seen him pace either, as he clobbed along, each foot striking the floor with an up-pitched creak and leaving the security of that solid base with a faster down-pitched one. That creaking made me even more uncomfortable, but I silently shook myself back to reality and I thought maybe he hadn't heard me. I opened my mouth, eyes trailing his back-and-forth treks across my cramped room as it appeared to grow smaller around the two of us, but my voice caught in my throat as I realized he had heard me, and that was his answer. Thank you for listening to today's story. If you'd like to get in touch with me, you can reach me by email at jeff at That's J-E-F-F at P-A-C-I-T-T-O dot com. On Twitter at jpacitoreads, or visit our website at pasito.com. See you soon. Some additional sound effects for this episode are from zapsplat.com and used under their standard license. All contents of this audio broadcast are copyright by Jeff Pasito.